Josh Williams here with another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast, guys. I'm very excited because today my guest, uh, he's performed at Just for Laughs, the Halifax Comedy Fest. He's got a one-hour Comedy Now special on the Comedy Network, and he was the winner of the Canadian Comedy Award, nom- uh, sorry, uh, for Best Male Stand-Up, so not a nominee, the winner of the Best Male Stand-Up. Pete Zedlacker is here with me today. Thank you for joining me. Five-time nominee. Are you? One-time winner, <laughs> and winner of the SiriusXM's Top Comic. Right. Did that. Um open mic with mike bullard right <laughs> i was gonna say i had so many of the credits and i had to pick which ones i want to start with because i i definitely want to get into all the things you've done and it doesn't TSN's stop there. off the record i did an episode right? of that yeah. with is that with the one with cabbie no that's uh michael lansberg lansberg yeah, yeah. how's he doing i don't know that's still on the air <laughs> i don't know like? i've seen him occasionally and i feel like i was looking at one of those spitting image shows with the puppets oh boy yeah 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 he's got a lot of makeup on yeah um so welcome to the uh, the podcast thanks for for doing this um, as always, uh, I want to just plug off the top before anyone starts listening to this, that you are here all week. So this episode is coming up Friday morning. You mm, are here headlining okay. absolute comedy in Ottawa for the rest of the week. Uh, where are you next after this? Um, next, next chunk of my, uh, tour is, uh, the investors group comedy tour. So I'm Ooh. doing the, uh, the East coast, um, dates of those then, and then I have a lot of on the exact opposite side of the country. I'm going to be in, um, uh, Vancouver's Comedy Mix. Okay. Uh, at the end of September. Um, Hecklers in Victoria. Um, and then Australia. Then I'm going to Australia. Oh, just that's it? Yeah. That's, <laughs> just the yeah. investors group, the biggest uh, yeah, Canadian biggest, comedy tour item. That, that it's nice. Like. Yeah. It's a nice little uh, <laughs> money in my pocket. That's great. Yeah. Well, then don't miss your chance, guys. It's Friday morning. That means you have two opportunities to see Pete uh, you know, at Absolute Comedy Ottawa tonight. And on Saturday, and then one more time on Sunday. So you're not doing the Toronto or the Kingston Club this. No, this I was supposed through. to, and then uh, Investors Group um, called me and uh, presented me a giant bag with a dollar the sign dollar on sign, it. Dollar sign, yeah. And I went, oh, sorry, Jason, I'm going to have to uh, <laughs> rejuggle some things. I think here. that's great. I'd I'd love to to talk about that that tour uh, coming forward. But anyways, I want to yeah. I want to really encourage you guys. Um, just before, I'm going to start by a little ass kissing for uh, for Mr. Zedlacker here. Um, I have not had an opportunity to actually see Pete live, so I'm looking forward to seeing you live this weekend. You've never seen me do I've never live seen stand-up. you live, never, never. But I, like I said, I've seen a lot of your stuff on on TV. Right. I've loved everything that I've seen you nice. in, um, and I have heard nothing. And this is this is not not impossible, but rare. I have heard nothing but club owners. Other comics, crowd members, just talk about what a monster you are on stage. Mm, cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to it, yeah. to say the least. And that's why I'm, you know. Now I'm, I've got performance pressure now. i got to <laughs> deliver when you. Well, they just, they, they might not go. I, mean, I got 12 <laughs> listeners. Um, but I mean, I always like to start. I mean, it's great to talk about where you are now. But for for all my listeners who who may have, have not heard of you or heard your stand-up, right. I always like to ask just to sort of humanize you is where did you get started in stand-up? How did it start for you? August 26th, 1996, I walked on stage at Sink or Swim Mondays at Yuck Yucks in toronto and uh i think i did pretty mediocre okay but i met all the comics in the back of the room and they were like hey you should come by and do spirits you should come by and do this room and so that's when i kind of became a comedian it was when i went to spirits for the first time and right i was handed a beer ticket i was like so i just talked to a microphone for five minutes and then you, i get a free beer <laughs> so immediately i was like this is I love this. Yeah, our brand new showbiz expectations. Right. I get a free drink if I talk shit. <laughs> Usually I pay for my beer, then I talk shit when I drink it. 
<laughs> so that was, uh, yeah. So that was, uh, 21 years ago was my anniversary of, uh, trying standup for the first time. And, and since then I've literally toured the, toured the world. Yeah. Did, do you remember how it went the first time? It was okay. I remember, uh, I went long. Uh, I was, uh, you got a five minute spot and, uh, I think at the five minute and 30 second mark, uh, Ron Vaudry literally walked up on stage oh, wow. and I was like, Oh, am I done? Oh, sorry. <laughs> so that's how I ended my no, set with no light, no warning. Just well, I'm sure I saw the light, but I just didn't, yeah, I just kept going. I don't know. <laughs> Cause that happens. I run an open mic show and just yeah. the first timers, I don't think I'd be very surprised if anyone, unless they go you know greatly underneath the time right they almost always go long because they go up there with six and they're getting laughs that they didn't time for, right. and think and it's a great feeling right it's that right that first drug right of and also you don't think it's that important if you go over by a minute right no it really is it's oh absolutely if, if 10 comics go over by a minute yeah yeah and then where does that kind of comes off the end of the show mm -hmm. right so that comes away from the guy who should be talking more than anyone else that's right um, well, that's great. I, I read that, uh, you had a, a sort of a, a career in, in show business prior to stand up, like you yeah. stage performing. Yeah. So I went to, uh, originally from Wawa, Ontario, uh, moved to uh, New York city and studied, uh, theater, um, at the American musical and dramatic Academy. So I was in New York for four years, moved to Toronto, took some classes. And then one of the guys in my classes was, uh, was trying stand up at yuck yucks. So I went down to yucks and watched it and I was like, oh, I'm going to. I have to try this. This looks fun. So that's when I signed up for uh, amateur night. And then uh, that immediately took over. Right. From, uh, you know, from being an actor where you, you know, you rehearse a play and you memorize the lines and you, you know, and rehearse and stay and stage it. And then you finally put it up on its feet. And then an audience sees it. like, it's a long process. Right. right? Or if you do like a, a film or a short film, like you could shoot it. And then it's like two years later, you might get some feedback immediately with stand up. It was, I'm writing this, I'm saying it out loud, I'm presenting it, and the audience is immediately telling me if it's good or not. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is brilliant. Like, this is the most immediate art form I've ever been a part of. So that was immediately what uh, what drew me to it. And then uh, and then just this obsession with stand-up kicked in. Right. We we try to warn people, again, running a, an open mic show, I try to warn people who say, like, oh, I'm just trying to get it off my bucket list or whatever. And I yeah. say, you have to be careful because it's not as simple as just one time. Once you do it once, it gets its claws into you. Yeah. And you're, you're sort of, it becomes an addiction. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of those people, though, that just want to try it for the, you know, get up there and, and do it. And that, that's fine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. But uh, I always try to discourage people from, like, you know, I'm just kind of goofing off. I'm like, just this isn't for you then like the, yeah. these, this stage time is precious. Like these are, these are a ton of comics out here that want to. I, I agree. Stages, yeah. I agree. I've, I've heard, I've seen that in my uh, coming up in comedy. Sometimes you'll see people who for years and years and years have never got off of, you know, the Wednesday nights yeah. or the, the amateur nights. There's guys that I started with 21 years ago that are still kind of floating around the, the amateur circuit. Like, yeah. What the fuck and they're doing, still man? doing the same stuff and whatnot, right? And they come off stage. This is the thing that sort of irked me as I have, I would never in a million years tell someone to stop. I would, I right. wouldn't want, if I have a lull or a, or a dead period, whatever dry period, I wouldn't want someone to come up and go, Hey, just stop. Right. So I'm always open to someone's out there, but I, but one of the things is they'll come off stage and go, ah, I'm just fucking around. Like, like they don't care. I know that's a little defensive yeah. to dismiss it. So they don't kind of have to exactly. feel it. But the truth of the matter is, even if you were doing something as a hobby, you'd still want to get better at sure. it. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. what's to stop you from trying to actually make something out of it? So, like you yeah. said, the people who are like, "I'm just fucking around," it's like, well, then, then get out of the yeah, way, yeah, people. Maybe. Yeah, get out of the way. This. Right. right at the same, then go do it. You know, on a street corner with a, a boombox. Right. 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 You can perform there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and let if, the if you're real... just looking for some attention, then there's other ways to get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah go absolutely. become a stripper. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of those girls that I've seen do stand up. You know, they they're on the circuit for a couple of months, kind of thing, and just really just on stage and you're like 
just go be a stripper. Like this. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, I love I it. I have seen a few of those girls that are doing stand-up just for, just for the and guys too, obviously. That oh, absolutely. Are just, just there to get attention kind of thing. Like, That's why absolutely know. we have the mirrors in the back wall for those people who just want to look that at That rattled me last night when Did I was it? on stage. I was like, holy fuck, I'm staring at myself. <laughs> and immediately I'm like, I'm a fat fuck. Jesus <laughs> Christ, I got to lose some weight. I tell people I'm like that with my house. I don't put mirrors or scales in the house. All right. I like Ouija boards. I, <laughs> bad omens for me. <laughs> I feel nothing but pain. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so speaking of that, I wanted to ask you, how long you know was it that once you started that you started doing weekends and and paid shows like how long of a really fast yeah. really quick yeah uh, but like i said like i was obsessed with stand up like i would do i would do a, a club set like on a wednesday and then go and hit an open mic and then do a different five and then go do a different open mic and then work on that five again so like i would do three sets in a night so it was pretty averaging out like around 10 or 12 sets a week like i was obsessed with stand up like just hitting every room and a lot of guys would, you know, you'd do the club and you'd do well, right? And you just kind of bask in that glory. And I was like, no, I want to get out there and keep working on it. So, um, yeah, it was within a year I was working professionally as a comedian. That's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, a year and a half later, I got my first headlining spot. So, which is unheard of. Like a year and a half in, you've got an hour's, an hour's worth of comedy. Yeah. So, and then I did my first Comedy Now episode and, uh, and you kind of think like, oh, that's well, that's it. I've burned that forty-five minutes that I put up on TV. But right. by the time it aired, I had already written another hour. So really, yeah. I, like again, I was just obsessed with stand-up, like it, you know. Yeah. And you did the hour back when you did it. Was there the option? Because I know yeah. just the last few. Was there the option of the half hour or it the was, full hour? Yeah, and it was just, of course, an ego stroke for me. I'm like, no, I'll do the full hour for sure. You know, <laughs> get so paid you were, nothing, no different at all. You were like a a year or two in at that point. I taped it in. It was a four years in. By okay. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's still amazing. Cause I, yeah. that was my first, uh, yeah. my first sample of sorry, three years in, I was three years in stand up. Really? I'm comedy now. Yeah. 99. That's 99, amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. I I've seen that. So I was talking to you this before we started recording. 2001. Um, sorry. It's 2001. So I was four, <laughs> four, I was four years in and by the, cause it aired, um, uh, September, whatever the, the first airing of it was just after September 11th. So it was like okay. September 20 something. 2001 that's a lot of pressure it was uh but it got huge ratings because uh people were looking for something different right. than planes flying into buildings right right so, right i just read this is just a, a funny little thing i just finished like on monday night reading george carlin's last words okay have you read that no he was talking about how uh he wrote this great piece he was sort of you know discovering his his voice uh, like the whole, you know, talking about, you know, taboo subjects and things like that, going from goofy to that. And he was saying how he just wrote this big piece about how, you know, he kind of likes it when a lot of people die. Just talking about population control and how we're, we're what's wrong with the world. Cause he just wrote a, an environmental piece before. But the whole point was he, he honed this great hour as he was known to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was anchoring it all to this like 20 minute piece that he had on. I kind of like it when a lot of people die. That's what he was going to name the special. It was to be filmed in November of 2001. Yeah. So of course, <laughs> yeah, bad timing. so he's, yeah, he's looking at this thing called, I kind of like it when a lot of people die. That's coming out two months after September 11th. Right. So he had that changed, like it changed everything that he was doing with right. the last half of his special and renamed. I just thought it was interesting. Like you said, of a, did he Having actually do that chunk up. of stand-up? He did it, uh, I think, three or four years. So four, actually, maybe four before. or five years. Yeah. And wow. it was it was something that went with the first half of the special that he was doing. So it all kind of all right. pulled together. So he still did the piece on environmental. So remarkable, man. Like that's just to be able to be that 
you know, articulate with your stand-up. Like just, oh, I've got a 20-minute chunk that I'm going to shelve. And then, put, you know what I mean? Like, no, I write an hour. It's going to be, that's the hour I'm working on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but even for yourself, like you said, I mean, you've got the special coming out and this big event happens. It's great that we're all looking for something to laugh at. But at the same time, like that was around the time when everyone's being really... Yeah, you know, like well, I taped it before September 11th, so I taped it in June. Then September 11th happened, and then they aired so it after. It so out. it was so there was a couple of references about me getting on a plane and stuff, and it was like, Ugh. remember right. how like everyone was like tiptoeing through everything, right? Like, They're there scrutinizing was, everything yeah, that's every, coming out. I don't want to so. offend anybody with you know airplane references or New York City, <laughs> like anything. Yeah, would just be triggered. Everything's words, right? a, exactly. So that's what's that's probably a good thing that it was filmed before that before then, and just yeah. afterwards, because yeah. even if it had nothing to do with it, it's just yeah. one of those like everyone was getting it for a period of time right so just just reminded me when you're saying it just happened right after september 11th i'm like you know what that was a little carlin quip there that i read yeah about that interesting but uh but you did the hour that did was hour. that was the first thing that it's i funny saw when i watched it too because they um they add laugh track to some of those mm -hmm. specials right so they added laugh track to the first chunk of my my hour so it goes you know like the opening credits and then the first whatever, I guess it's 12 minutes before the commercial break. Um, so they added in laugh track. I'm like, it's so fucking weird. Why are they and adding it in the wrong places? Right. So they're adding laugh track into setups of jokes, you know, like, yeah. Hey guys, maybe do you have a favorite, a favorite, uh, athlete? Ha 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 ha. You know, yeah, it's like, like why? why, why are you doing that? So then they come back from commercial and now no laugh, no, no laugh track at all. So it, it made no sense. So, wow. Yeah. I remember, I remember I watched, like I said, that was my first taste of, of your stuff and I really enjoyed it. I thought nice. it was really, really good. And, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's a handful, you know, I could count on one hand how many uh, comedy nows that I actually enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and that's nothing against the other comics. So if anyone's listening and you're like, yeah, I don't really like comedy now. One of the reasons is they kind of fuck with people's stuff. You know what I mean? Well, it's not on anymore. It's been canceled. So I don't have to worry about not right. getting a spot for criticizing right. on my no, podcast. No. But the truth of the matter is, you know, you'd have guys who would do like half an hour or 40 minutes. They edit it down to 22. Mm -hmm. I, I noticed jokes from, from guys whose sets I know that they cut out tags or they cut out, you know, oh, yeah. parts of punchlines and things like that that are important to, to the joke. Um, so to me, it was remarkable when, when I'd see someone's comedy and I'd go, holy shit, that was, that was really good. Mm. And, and for what it's worth, yours was one of the ones that I, I really oh, enjoyed. Thanks. Yeah. Were you happy with it when you I, saw we, it? I maybe? was, yeah. It really opened up, you know, people are very cr critical of that TV show, but uh, it opened up, a, it it set me up as, you know, one of the upper echelon of Canadian comics. Um, and it also uh, had gave me a chunk of uh, television tape that I could give to bookers that they would look at it and go like, oh my God, yeah, let's book this guy. Right. Um, so yeah, no complaints. But I got, <laughs> you got paid $3,500 flat like a buyout to do that right that's crazy to say, say out loud thirty five hundred dollars to write and star in an hour of television right um and i had a commercial that was running at the same time and when it aired my commercial ran during the first <laughs> commercial break of my comedy now for delicio pizza and i was like hey great pizza man where's it from that's that was my line in the commercial i made more from that commercial than i did from the actual tv taping yeah isn't that crazy and you get there's no royalties or anything like that. No, nothing. In perpetuity, just well, that's not true. They, I think after four years, they sent me a check for twenty five bucks as a buyout for another cycle of twenty five dollars, something like that. Yeah, it was like that's unbelievable. Yeah, it was really they get to play another three hundred times. I think, yeah, I mean, and they wouldn't. I lost count at seventeen times they've aired it. Wow, on on national television. And then now they've sold it to MTV and oh really yeah so oh I didn't now, know that yeah. they did that yeah. 
That's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Uh, uh, it's like exposure. It's like right back at the beginning. Hey, yeah, we'll just right. we'll film oh, yeah. it. We'll put it over there. It's great exposure. It it was good exposure because I don't don't do that material anymore. Right. Right. So if I was, I remember John Doerr did his taping and then. Uh, it aired very close to his taping. So he was still doing some of that material mm-hmm. and somebody in the audience called him out because they had seen it. Right. And he was like, that's when he was like, I got to, I got to stop doing this material because it's been, that was a good lesson for me too. Like, yeah, you can't, once it airs on TV, it's got to shelve that, you know? Like, right. Uh, what do you, so let me ask you then, because you've had the experience. I haven't really talked with, with someone who's just done the, the, the tapings, right? Yeah. Once you, once you put it out there, do you already have new stuff that's ready to go? Or are you sort of like, when you're creating, let's say you're creating the next hour, are you doing like 20 and 20, you know, or 20 and 20 on an hour? I'm thinking the 40 minute spots here right. at the club. Do you, are you doing like, you know, 20 minutes of new stuff, 40 minutes of old? Is it a mix? Or do you have like a ton of premises that you've already been sort of playing with in preparation for the the taping that you're kind of like, once mm. the taping goes, I'm going to move on to the, because that's always been the curiosity. Yeah. I totally get the shelving it, but you still, you're still a pro. You still have headline dates on the calendar. So yeah. what are you going out with, you know, once that gets put out there? Well, it's it's interesting now because the hour long TV specials don't exist in Canada anymore. So right. now TV tapings are seven minute sets, like right. just for laughs or Winnipeg festival or Halifax. Um, so if I'm gearing up for a TV taping, I'm working on that seven minutes like that. This is where it's going to start and this is where it's going to end. Right. Um, so by the time it airs, that chunk is already seven minutes is easy to write another seven. Some right. So, um, and that's not anchoring your headline set at the, you know, chuckle bone or no. whatever it is. No, I right? try to end like, up doing it like right off the top. Like I, I, you know, the MC introduces me and then I do my seven minutes that I'm going to do for my TV taping. Right. Cause yeah, I want to go up there cold and see if that's actually going to work. So right. mm-hmm. smart. Actually, that's a great, that's a yeah. great strategy. Get it out of the way right away. And then you, you've got a time too. So you can look at your watch when you hit down and you're like, oh yeah, seven minutes, bang. I'm ready for it. Ready for that TV taping. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh yeah, like it's just one of those things that's been interesting to me. Like I said, I mean, I guess too that there's a period of time from when you do the taping to when it airs that you almost have a buffer period. Start working on some new stuff. Yeah, and whatnot. But like you said, in Canada, it's different. I'm just thinking like the the I guess right now the the big things there the the Louis C.K.s and Bill Burrs that are putting out a new special every year. And I always think there's dates on the calendar, but right, what happens once that hour's out? Are you just you know, top Shelve to bottom, brand get, new yeah. stuff, and and have like you know, but they they're also huge names. They can get on three times a night in New York or That's Los right, Angeles yeah. and build forty minutes out of nothing. Yeah, it's got to be tremendous pressure. Like, uh, I mean, being uh, a Canadian comic has you know uh, some perks, and one of them is that you know, yeah, we can get away with doing some older material for audiences, right? right. So, like guys like Louis C.K., if they went out there and did something from their previous special, the audiences would be like, "Well, we've seen this, like, right? We've, we've we all have seen this because you're super famous and yeah, you know, so yeah, it's gotta be tremendous pressure for those guys because once they've taped that, they just got to wash your hands and you're done with that yeah. kind of thing. You know, you've contributed. It's, it's like writing the same, I know another book as an author and the first chapter is the same as the last book. You know? Yeah. It's a good analogy, but <laughs> yeah, like, like, uh, and it's gotta be frustrating too. Cause you, you finish up that TV taping and then like, you know, a month later you're like, Oh, that, what if I tagged it with this? Yeah it's done man like you're done yeah like you you've you've closed that chapter it's done it's published it's done (laughs) (laughs) it's a thing too but that's one of the great things i mean it's a blessing the curse of being an artist is that it's it's never finished it's never good enough which is great because i i've said before with other people i've interviewed is as soon as you feel safe you're done yeah i'm good here well then you're you're toast you always have to be striving for for better um i feel like now i'm like the stuff that i'm writing now i feel like I'm the best comic I've been in my life. Like I feel like I'm 
taking risks and then talking about things that make me uncomfortable and make the audience uncomfortable. And right. there's a pressure and a release and there's things that uh, I'm doing in standup now that are like, I walk off stage going like, Holy shit. Good for you, man. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, nice. but it's got, you've got to keep challenging yourself. Like if I was up there still doing my, you know, you know, stuff from my comedy now episode, it would be just, just put a fork in me, man. You're done. Like you gotta, you gotta keep challenging yourself. Right. 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 Cause after a while, I mean, we've, we've all seen those guys who are, you know, doing the same material from their comedy now. Isn't that crazy? Years ago. Yeah. There was a I, comic that was at one of the open mics in Calgary and I, I brought my girlfriend Melody down and, um, and I was like, Oh my God, this guy, I haven't seen this guy in like 10 years. It's going to be great to see him kind of thing. And then he walked on stage and he started doing his act. And I kind of looked at her and I started like lip syncing to his, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. she was like, he's done this before. I'm like, he's, this is the only thing he does. And I was excited to see him because I'm like, he's going to have some new material, but no, yeah. no, he's been doing the same act for 30 something years. Oh, just it, it hurts. It hurts your heart because you're like you're like you're, you're you haven't evolved that, and you're not doing anything else either. Right? You know what I mean? Like if you're sticking to stick with this, for your own sanity. Involve, yeah. Write some jokes, man. Well, I I got into a thing. I, I don't think I've ever talked about in the podcast, but I got into a slump. I mean, I'm only eight or nine years in, but I got into a slump at one point where it was just like it was the same material. I wasn't writing, mm -hmm. um, but I completely changed. I stopped doing a lot of material. I became sort of a crowd work comic. Mm -hmm which I'd like to get out of. I do like doing it. I just certainly know the the value of doing material because, you know, showcases and things like that are not looking for crowd work. They're looking for, for yeah. pieces they can get. But it was out of that need to to do something new. Different, so I yeah. didn't write anything. So I'd have to go up there and and talk about something. You know what I mean? Just even if it was just telling a story, what happened? Get talking with them, and that would make me think of something, and I yeah. tell a story. So just anything to just challenge myself. Okay, well, if I you didn't write anything, then you're going to go up and you're going to talk about yep. something that mm -hmm. off the top of your head. You know? So sort of. At first, it was sort of like a, to scare myself into writing because you don't want to put yourself in that situation of going up in there and having nothing to talk about. Yeah. But then I ended up being good at. <laughs> so I was like, oh well, I can just. Talk. But I I don't like it because I have notebooks filled with things that I'd like to go out and and try. Right. Okay. And I have to now I'm in the the I'm trying to retool. My myself to have that discipline to sit down and and write again it's remarkable how much you can actually write if you physically sit down and like just type on a typewriter or typewriter a computer right <laughs> if you're typing on a typewriter <laughs> wow um, maybe they're just really old school <laughs> yeah really old school. <laughs> it's yeah. like the new hippie thing to do so i was writing for um the ron james show uh i think it was season four we had an order of uh of 13 episodes and ron would do I think six minutes of stand up per episode plus the New Year's Eve special. I can't remember what the math works out to be, but it's like literally like an hour worth of stand up. Um, it was like sitting in a room for three months, just pounding it out and you wrote an hour of stand up. Like you, it physically can be done. Like if you just oh, yeah. sit down and do it, but I tend to be a writer where I'm 10 minutes before going on stage, going through my phone, going like, shit, what are these, some of these premises that I haven't worked on yet? I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, demons. I haven't done that one yet. So, and I'll just kind of riff it out on stage kind of thing. But I, you know, still 21 years in, I wish I had more discipline to go, okay, today between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m., I'm going to sit down with my laptop and just pound it out. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a process? No. No process. I do not. No. Not a thing. Not so, a you think of an idea, you put the the, the footnote yeah. on your phone, and yep. you're like, then we're going to, you th basically, you think it out, and then you're like, I'm going to try it on stage. Or? Sometimes I, I put the, yeah, the footnote might be a good way to describe it. Like just, uh, you know, demons. Like I put demons, uh, something. And then just before I go on stage, I'm kind of like, how is that premise going to go? And then I kind of put like keywords down what I okay. think and where I think it's going to end. And then when I get on stage, it's just kind of improv around it. Okay, right. Cool. So then 
some most times like you get to the punchline and it's not the punchline at all so you just keep digging further and then that's oh wait a second this is a new angle on this and it kind of that's what's great about those open mics around the canadian comedy scene like you can go out there and watch some comics just mining for comedy gold right and then all of a sudden you see something brilliant happen on stage you're right. like wow and I'll say it on stage and be like, oh, can somebody remember that for me? <laughs> yeah. you know? So then I'll walk off stage and somebody goes, hey, uh, it was the, the demon's joke. It was about uh, Ikea. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll put that down. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then next thing you know, the, the next time I try that, I'm like, okay, now I've got a sort of a polished joke. And then by the third or fourth time I've got it, I can bring it to a club and see if it's that's work. That's great. My struggle is, A, remembering to write it down because I always think of things when I'm driving. So oh, I'm like, yeah. hey, Siri, hey, Siri. And then she screws up everything. And then oh, five, yeah. five seconds later, she has not. Uh, she, your phone just Yeah, my phone when just came that. on when I get it, but she said it's not available. <laughs> I, I have learned over the course of podcasting to put all of my stuff on airplane oh, mode. Oh, I should do that right now. Oh, it's okay. If yours goes off, it's fine. No. Nope. And people actually say, I like when I hear something go off on your iPad or oh, yeah. this. And that one just reminds them that I'm human, that I'm <laughs> right, so right. incompetent in what I'm doing. I'm faking this so good. Um, but yeah, I'll forget to, to write it down. And then occasionally, if I do see the notes, I'll look at it and like you said it'll be like demons and i'll go what the fuck was I yeah talking i had about? one of those like, years ago it was my favorite uh, example of this i wrote down new year's eve <laughs> what the hell joke is that is it just, a shopping list yeah, or a- just, <laughs> what's the joke that i had about new year's eve to this day i still don't know what the premise like the what the, what the joke was going to be about <laughs> new year's eve so yeah you got to be a little more specific and a lot of times too these ideas come to me like just on that verge of like you're about to fall asleep right and your mm-hmm. mind starts wandering and you're like <laughs> Oh my God, that's brilliant. I'll remember this in the morning. Yeah. Oh no, you have to get up in the, you have to, have to get up and just type it, type it out. Yeah. Cause it'll be gone. I've started getting better at it, but I'm still losing like a hundred ideas a day because I'm like, I'll remember <laughs> two minutes, two minutes. I'll remember that in two minutes. And then it goes that quickly. Yeah, just right. even to just, by the time I come down, I see something I'm supposed to bring down to the kitchen or something. like grab the plates. Like, Oh, I forgot to put that away. And yeah, it's gone. That that's synapse it. That's is gone. Just, it's so fragile. And then I'll just tissue just, paper. Yeah, exactly. Tissue paper. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, it's, it's, well, it's, it's great to know that, uh, I have something in common with one of the greats, (laughs) that same process, but, but how, how fast do you go from the idea to like, let's get it out on stage? I give it three tries, three tries, three tries. Yeah. So, and um, will you same day it kind of thing? Like if you're, if you get moment of the idea today uh and you're on stage tonight, is it coming out tonight? Yeah. Okay. That, okay. If, I mean, depending, obviously, like if I've got a, a corporate event or something, you know, obviously I'm not working on new material. Right. And I do adding it to your just for laughs gala that night. No, no. (laughs) Although I have done that. I have Have added something new to, uh, um, what was it? Halifax festival. I literally had an idea the day of, and I'm like, Oh fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. So, and it, it worked. (laughs) Thank God. What was the, what was it? It doesn't matter, but it was, yeah, that was, that was a big ballsy move on my part. I'm like, (laughs) am I really going to try something new on a TV taping? Yeah. And it worked. It worked. Yeah, it did work. Excellent. Yeah. That's awesome. But after 21 years of comedy, like you kind of have an instinct of like, right. Oh, this isn't going to fail. Like this is going to be, um, <laughs> but I do have a good work, work ethic in that. Um, uh, I don't try to do brand new material at a club when people are paying, you know, 15 bucks or 25 bucks to see me. Okay. I want to do, want to work out all the kinks at like an open mic kind of thing. Okay. So, so a lot of funny, you know, like just hitting all the, uh, the Calgary comedy scene, uh, rooms that are out there and uh some younger comics are like that's so great that you're still out there you know you know coming to these shitty open mics and and working on your i'm like yeah you have to like i have to like it's it's the job it's literally what i have to do and sometimes you're performing to eight comics and two audience members like that's that's the that's the room but 
just it's a chance to say it out loud and see where where it's going to go kind of thing well trent uh, mcclellan is from calgary yeah. and trent uh, i was listening to his podcast and he had somebody on i, I wish i could remember which comic i don't want to give the wrong guy credit or, or not the right guy but uh he had said that a great exercise because i would love to be able to sit down and write and i have i know yeah. it just doesn't happen but i need to get the ideas out somewhere where i can actually see them and remember them but one of the exercises that that he was suggesting was that you just for 30 minutes you write and don't judge it right and then the next day you just write and don't judge it you know until you get to the point where you're writing something that you might actually enjoy because you've developed that muscle of just putting the words oh, down on paper that's great yeah and I, I mean i heard it a month ago and i still haven't done it once. right but just in terms of, I know that when I'm going to sit, when I have a, a little block of time, I think I'm bullshitting myself a little, right? Because we all have that, oh, when I have the time, right? But it's, you, you make, make time. the time, you exactly. Time, yeah. But the idea is, I think that that's a great exercise to, you know, if I don't have, because I'm at a point where I can't necessarily get on stage every single night or an open mm -hmm. mic, I have more opportunities than maybe some of the, the, the newer guys listening. But uh, I, I like that idea of just getting it out. Just write it out. Who cares if it's good, bad, whatever you right. wrote for 30 minutes. And then you, you build that muscle of just that way you're not scared to sit down and write because you've done it so many times before that when you do have something, it's just going to come out because that muscle, you're not like, shit, how That's do I, great. the medium of the writing isn't fucking yeah. you over. You're yeah. used to that. So that was just something that. Uh, I like that. Thanks, Trent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try that. Uh, I, I, but sometimes should... just the physical act of typing right. makes you, makes your brain go, oh, what about that connection? Mm -hmm. What about, I just, I love those what abouts. What if. That's one of the great things about working in a, in a writer's room when I was working for Ron James. It was working with brilliant guys, like literally brilliant. And just sit there and like, what if, and then we'd all smile and be like, yeah. And then you get onto something. Uh, there's nothing, there's, there's something magical about yeah. the creative process, right? Yeah, absolutely. And seeing like other people too. And, and sometimes it's almost like a relay race. Like you come up with something, pass it on, someone else grabs it, runs with it a bit. And one my favorite moments in that writer's room, we were writing about the, uh, the blackout that happened, right? Okay. And, uh, and it was in Toronto when everyone was uh, like, <laughs> the, one night the, the blackout happened, right? So everyone was happy and, you know, like neighbors are coming over and we're having barbecues and, you know, but if it lasted more than a night, it would be anarchy, right? So I had written a joke. I said, yeah, it was, it was great for a night, but if it went on for a week, we'd be uh, cooking our groceries over a dumpster fire. Or that was the joke. And then I just pitched it to my buddy Scott and he misheard me saying uh yeah if it lasted more than three days we'd be roasting the elderly over a a, a a dumpster fire and he said the elderly and i'm like i said groceries yeah he's like oh elderly's way better <laughs> so <laughs> so that's how the joke got written it was just a misheard communication like a mad it. max they eat the old first right. which is ridiculous they have the least amount of meat <laughs> um <laughs> Um, so I wanted to ask just, um, I mean, in terms of, of coming up from, from starting out to where you are now, do you have any, like, are there any really good memories that you, I mean, obviously like all of your, all of your TV and, and movie stuff, which I have here, we will get to that, but I'm thinking just in terms of the stand up portion, do you have any good memories or milestones that, that came out? Like obviously things like the comedy now and, and just for laughs, any, any moments where you, where you thought like, holy shit, like I'm really, <laughs> Oh, that's a great question. I wouldn't Josh, know. That's great. I tell every guest, even on the air, I, I don't know that I would have an answer if I was asked. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, was there anything that when you yeah. look back and you're like, fuck that, at that moment, that's when I heard, you know, or felt or. Yeah. No, I, one that popped right into my head immediately was, um, we used to do, uh, well, Spirits Bar and Grill is still a, an open mic and not even an open mic. It's a booked comedy show now um, in Toronto. And I started out there with uh, Joanna Downey and that's. So August 26, 1996, I met, you know, Rodney Pentland and Rodney Pentland told me to come by spirits and I met Joanna Downey and changed my life. Um, but I, 
at that at that point in comedy in 1996, there was you know a handful of comics in Toronto, right? Now there's a hundred million comics in this country. Um, but sometimes you'd swing by Spirits on a Wednesday, and there would be seven comics going on. And then Joanna would say, "Can you do a set tonight?" I'd be like, "Yeah." Oh, thank God, we got a cancellation. Like, oh, okay. it's ridiculous now because it's a three month process to get booked on that show. Right. I've still never done it. I've Is that right? It. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, at the end of your story, do you mind just maybe let the listeners know what a staple Spirits is for comedy? Oh, well, Spirits is uh, its the reason I'm a stand-up comedian. It's uh, every Wednesday at uh, at Spirits in Toronto. Um, it just it turned into this amazing room because of uh, Joanna Downey. Joanna Downey um, uh, was the, uh, the booker and the host of the show. And um, people would come week after week after week after week because of her, because, you know. And exactly like you said, like she would just go up there and talk like she wouldn't have an act like she would just tell people about her week and then ask people about their week and then just create magic on stage. Yeah. It was and it was such a, a beautiful fostering of comedy room like it was just yeah, we'd all watch each other's sets and we'd walk off stage and go like, what if you open with that joke? And then what if you tag it to this? And what about this angle? And like, oh, yeah, we'd all help each other. And that's how I started in stand up. So I, I uh, when you ask like what are those moments, uh, I had I developed this comedy character named Petey Dirtbag, and Petey <laughs> Dirtbag was a hack comic. So he would go on at the end of the show, and I always had to be at Spirits because there'd be like fifteen comics on. So I would just sit in the back of the room and and write down one joke from everybody, and then the oh, premise was okay. okay. Uh, uh, oh, with this guy has been bugging me all night to go on. Uh, he wants to do a set. Please, uh, please welcome Petey Dirtbag. And then I come up on stage, and then uh, I had my heavy metal vest and uh, long hair wig and hat, and my character would say like, "Yeah, I've been watching you guys try stand up. I got some notes for you." you know? <laughs> and then I would just do their joke, but then make it like a filthy punchline. And that was one of those moments where I was like, "Oh man, this is it was creating something really amazing." And it was specific to that room, specific right? That was that, that was room, a character yeah. that didn't exist anywhere other than that's spirits. right. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That was uh, yeah, that was a, a key moment in my in my comedy career for sure. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Now, of course, every light uh, casts a shadow. So I would ask too. Just was there any any lows in your comedy career? Did you ever hit any points oh that made you question everything? Um, every other moment in between. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> no, there's uh Oh, there's great highs and great lows in stand-up comedy. There's uh, and there there's funny ones too. Like I at Spirits, there was um, there was a uh, oh, how do you even word this now nowadays? There was a man who was transitioning to become a woman. Okay, uh, in the audience, and uh, <laughs> this comes up like every episode. Something with really oh, dude, I I yeah, I got in shit. All my listeners know I got in shit because I was actually trying to educate. Hey guys, this is the open accepting way of right and i got in shit because I, I said it wrong to yeah, one person's tranny name. is not the right word right that's, no that's the offensive that's word. that's so, the uh, so old-fashioned yeah that. so there was a there was a, a person transitioning yeah yeah, yeah. and you might uh, still be wrong just so you know yeah i could be okay. right <laughs> uh, back in the day i would have said there's a tranny mm-hmm. no not i'm not saying that now because now that's not uh, now i understand that's not the correct but back then there was a back tranny then, in the room well, back then there was a tranny in the room <laughs> okay. and, it was, just, uh, and it was wing night okay uh, uh every wednesday was wing night so you get like <laughs> try to connect yeah, yeah so um <laughs> she had a, a plate of chicken bones chicken okay. big uh, chicken bones on her so if she didn't like she would throw chicken bones at you <laughs> <laughs> so i remember being on stage trying to joke and she took offense to it and all of a sudden i was being peppered with chicken bones from a like, from a transsexual yeah, I was like wow that's a you can't get much lower than this like this is but i love telling that story because it's just a 
delicious story. It's a funny visual too, right? Because you would, yeah, it's just one of those things you're like, okay, okay. Yeah. And another time I did uh, stand up in Fairview, Alberta, and it was just a, it was a room that they had booked on a, I think it was a Wednesday as well, but uh, Alberta liquor laws, if they had a, a cabaret liquor license, they could stay open an extra hour all week so they they went hey what's the cheapest entertainment that we can get and they went oh stand-up comedy so <laughs> so they literally said you know from wednesday from 9 p.m until 10 p.m you had to be on stage performing stand-up comedy because that that would qualify as their hour-long cabaret liquor license so for years they would just send up comics to do this terrible gig and comics didn't like doing the gig and audiences didn't like comics being there but Maybe a handful of people would come out. So I did it one time. I was up on stage going like, why are we here? What's the point of this? And these guys came in. They sat in the front row. I was like, hey, guys, what's going on? And then everybody's like, don't don't talk to them. Like, and then he pulls out a backpack. And then he's pulling out zip like uh, baggies full of drugs, full of drugs. And next thing you know, people are coming up. And then money's being exchanged in the front row. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then people are like, just don't. Don't say anything. And so, you know, I did my stand-up as these guys were doing a drug deal like seven feet away from my my feet it's like those women who come in with the roses for sale at a bar only it's drugs drugs like oh, hardcore yeah. drugs like uh pills and powders and uh and then after about 10 minutes they they packed it up and then they left and i finished up my set by chastising the audience i'm like this is the terrible thing why, yeah. why would you live here <laughs> how are you guys okay with this is, and i walked up to the the bartender the manager and i said what the fuck is going on with this guy they said oh you know he comes in every week you know we can call the rcmp but it takes about 45 minutes for them to show up so we just ignore it and uh he comes in every week every week every week you think that they would just call the rcmp hey there's gonna be a guy hey there's gonna be a guy yeah uh (laughs) yeah that's so that's that exists there's i've i've paid my dues oh god yeah yeah. so when i'm getting to do just for last with patrick stewart i'm like oh yeah remember (laughs) You've earned this. You've earned this spot. <laughs> have you ever had anybody just super pit? I mean, like, and I don't mean upset. Have you ever had anybody like rush the stage or anything like that in a show? A lady come up to me after a show and I did a joke about um, the previous Pope, um, Ratzinger. It was his okay. real name, right? And uh, I forgot. I was going off on Ratzinger anyway. And this lady came up to me after the show and said, uh, how dare you, sir? But she was so beyond over the top about it that I literally thought she was kidding. So, <laughs> so I'm playing it up. I'm like, I'm a naughty boy. Yeah. <laughs> and then after about 20 seconds of her berating me, and I was like, what the fuck? Are she serious? So I just I went back, back on her. I'm like, what are you talking about? Said, my son. My son is going to visit the Pope. So it was just an, another example of a, a religious lady trying to say that, right. you know, my son is getting to visit the Pope. And I told her, I'm like, if, if that offends you, if me even referencing the Pope's real last name offends you, stand up comedy is not for you. Like it's, you should just stay home. You should just next time entertainment comes to your town, just stay home and read the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the things that we've talked about from time to time too, is just that, that a lot of people, when they hear a story about someone getting upset in a comedy club and they go, Oh, you know, it's, it's comedy, right? Who's going to get upset in a comedy club. And I, I tell them, You'd be amazed oh, yeah. how many people oh, every other night upset. somebody's yeah yeah and they love to come up and tell you that like rather than just being like I didn't like that right that's not for me they they feel the need to tell you how much they didn't you know right. you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't talk about this um, 
Sorry, this is one of the things. That's that absolutely true. Like sometimes it's just trigger words. Like people just go like, oh, they shut down. You know, oh, he said. Yeah, they're not even rape. listening. He said whatever, you know. doesn't yeah. matter, you know. There's a trigger word and that's it. Well, I had one night at a show where I was doing a joke and the middle of the joke, uh, someone yelled something out and I stopped and I said, I'm sorry. And he repeated himself. And I think myself and the, the rest of the audience collectively just went, what? what? And then- as I was the same as them, I was like, what? And then they all booed that person. I was oh, yeah. like, oh, hold on, hold on. I, I really think that the person has misunderstood the joke. You, I'm like, I'm saying this to the, I go, let's, I go, let's thank you for being on my side, everyone, but right. let's give him a sec. Cause I don't think he even gets what right. I'm saying right now. I think that's funny too. And it's just like you said, it's just a trigger. They've, they've misunderstood. Right. And it's funny because sometimes you'd think, oh, I, I misunderstood. I'm just going to sit there and what the fuck? But, they're like, what? And then they're outraged, the outward outrage, and they got to yell something out. I don't know. It's, the, it's interesting to me. Sometimes you, you, you just take for granted that an audience is smart. Right. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of times audiences will prove, no, they're not. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of dumb people in the audience that uh, well, I almost just need bank the pablums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bank on that because, you know, people are like, oh, man, I'm sick of stupid people. Like, I just wish all the stupid people would die. And I go... I don't, mm. because as soon as people can think these things for themselves, I'm out of a job. Right. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't want everyone to be this funny and goofy and silly. I just, you guys uh, stay there and I'll, I'll think of this stuff. Um, I wanted to ask, now this sounds kind of like a, a bit of a, an odd question or maybe we've already answered it. Was there anything that helped you along the way as you grew through standup? Cause obviously trying new things, that's, that's very important yeah. to always challenge yourself. Did you have any like, uh, habits or mantras or anything like that when you when you'd hit these tough moments was there anything that 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 kept you going and yeah. i have a question i want to ask you after this okay well it might relate there's there's two answers to this number one we're doing it right now like i would ask established comics like hey what do i do here and i'm gonna go to ottawa and i'm gonna is there do you have any advice for me and um and i remember being kind of fearless in that way that you know, there, was, there was a comedy hierarchy like you didn't talk to like the pro comics kind of thing right okay that's kind of like been washed away now you can just go and talk to the established comics anytime you want what but do you think of that if you don't mind my I, I, I like i like it when comics come like here's a i'll give it a caveat though. i was just like, gonna say you got yeah, a caveat yeah. coming <laughs> i'll be in like winnipeg right and then some like uh like an amateur comic who's done comedy like four times mm. and thinks he's got it all figured out will come up to me and then give me notes after my mm. after my headline he's like no that's that's way beyond over the line there, kid, right? Right. right. Uh, but if you, you know, what you want to come up and say, like, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm doing this set tonight. Can you take a look and and watch my set?" And then absolutely, I'd be right. happy to. Um, so yeah, ask lots of questions, um, and then uh, yeah, I, I found myself a few times in my life where where I just felt like a writer's block. I wasn't uh, producing anything. And the trick to the getting over that is just to get out of your comfort zone. So um, go and do something you've never done before. Like go to a, like a farmer's market, you know, or go, to, you know, do some kind of uh, excursion that you've never done before. Cause it just gets your mind thinking outside of yourself. Right. Yeah. Just opening up new. Okay. Yeah. As soon as you said, go to a farmer's market, I'm thinking like, go perform. At a farmer's no, market. not perform. No. <laughs> just, you're like, yeah, no, I, I picked up along the way, but I was sitting there going, okay, interesting. I yeah, can't yeah. wait for him to bring this around and make it all make sense. <laughs> How are those <laughs> eggs over there? Hey, what's up with the, no, the cantaloupes? Just do it a venue you've never done before. Uh, no, but I get what you're saying. It's just experience something. Yeah. yeah do you, something that's new to you because yeah, then it and gets. And then you can talk about it on stage. Like I, I went to a farmer's market and this is what's going on there. And this is, you know, or 
whatever, you know? Yeah. That's a, that a, is a great tip. Just gets you outside of your comfort zone and your, your norm, right? Like if, you know, your norm is getting up and taking a shower and then going to the Starbucks and, you know, then going to the grocery store, whatever. Like if you get outside of that right. and your, your brain is being, activated, yeah, you're making right? room for new ideas. Cause if everything is the same routine, mm-hmm. then you don't get past it. I remember, uh, and I, I appreciate this. I'm sorry not to, to throw a story back and mm-hmm. you say something, but, but I had a friend ask me the last full-time day corporate job I had before starting stand-up comedy. Um, I may or may not have shared the story. So listeners, I'm sorry if you've heard it before, but um, he, he asked me, he goes, Hey, you know, when you're a kid and summer vacation seems like it's like the longest thing in the world right. and the older you get, just it's, it's over so yeah. fast. Yeah. He goes, why is that? And I go, I don't know. I don't know. But I, but it stuck with me. Like if you give me something to think about, like yeah. my, my neuroses will just turn it over and over. And I think what I came up with, I told him the next day when I was at work is I think I came up with is that when you're younger, there's every day is so different. Do you know what I mean? Like okay. you're still learning so much. You you find new rocks, new bugs, a new activity, right. a new game that you play. Something right. happens. You, you you jump off a roof or climb a, a, a wall. Something that you didn't do before. Right. And I feel like at the end of the day, there's so much different stuff to reflect on that each individual day stands out more. Oh. So it seems like a lot longer because there's so much more that that goes on and, and individualizes right. each day. Whereas, Whereas when, when you get, get old, older, yeah. nine to five, same punch same in, thing, punch right. out, same yeah. routine at work, right. morning, night, whatever it is. You know, you remember vacations because that's different. Yeah. But in terms of just the the day, like I was three years into that point, and that was actually one of the little catalysts in my brain that was like, okay, I got to do something different. Right. I've been here three years, and I can't fucking individualize the days <laughs> at all. Right. So it's just it's oh, interesting, like you really said, cool. is once you get into a routine, if you want to f- start thinking new, you right. got to go start doing new. Right. To make something different, yeah. to make things start yep. standing out differently that's again. It. That's it. exactly. Well, that's really art. That's really sharp of you. To, uh, pff, to I could that. be completely wrong. I just, oh, but yeah. that's the thing too. It's part of having a, you know. Being neurotic is just somebody asks you something, you don't have the answer. I'm like, I gotta fucking figure gotta it out. Think of this. Yeah, yeah. It's a good fucking question. That's absolutely true. It. Why the hell is I gotta solve this problem? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I wanted it. to ask too. Now, this is something I, I don't I don't know if it's too personal, and I apologize because I don't know what it's about. But I remember uh, a few years back, um, you had posted something on Facebook. Because like I said, I still hadn't seen you perform, but I'd seen all your stuff. Mm. Um, and I remember seeing a post that looked like you were sort of leaving comedy or at least something. <laughs> really? Was, well, that's what it looked like. And again, I don't know how personal it is, but I remember seeing that you had to move out of Toronto. For oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was, uh, no, never never giving up stand-up. It's funny because uh, the reason I had left Toronto is I was going through a divorce. Okay. But uh, uh, related to this story, my divorce lawyer was, you know, going over all my financials and he's looking at it and he was like, so we're talking about money you make in stand-up comedy, right? So, and we were talking about like Jerry Seinfeld had just done a show in Toronto where it was um, a fundraiser for the for the hospital, and he made like a million dollars for his set. So we were, <laughs> yeah, a million dollars for his set. <laughs> so that's what we all make. Of yeah, course. right. So <laughs> we were crunching the numbers, and it was a, like forty-five minute set, so it was X number of dollars per minute, and we we're laughing about it. So he, the divorce lawyer asked me, he said, like, so do you set goals for yourself? Like, if you don't earn X number of dollars next year, are you going to find something else to do kind of thing? And I was, I was so taken aback by that. I was like, no, like, no, this is what I do, man. This is, if I made zero, I would still be doing it. Like, I would still, but civilians don't have that mindset, right? right. Like, you know, they, they think, well, you're doing things f- to make money so that you can do things. Whereas we do stand up because we love doing stand up. Right? right. So he, yeah, he, I always use that as an example of like, yeah, th- how civilians don't understand what it's like to be like, I, if literally like they, 
told me tomorrow, like, you cannot make a living doing this anymore. You know, you're going to have to, I would get a job job to make money, but then I would still do stand up. I would still do stand up. Fulfill yeah. that creative yeah. need. Yeah. Like I'll never retire. Like I will never, I'll be. It's on know, tape now that you've said that. That I'll never, <laughs> I'll never retire. retire. No, no. Like I'll show up at your, your fifth Brett Favre and go, nope, back at it. <laughs> Fucking back in the locker room. You are not stopping. That's it. <laughs> no, like. Just, you know, if, uh, if an audience still wants to hear a rambling old man when I'm 90 years old, I, I will still be doing stand up for sure. That's great. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Cause like I said, I didn't see the context. So I thought maybe something, yeah. the, the nature of what, what it was just the, the, what I was left with, I was like, Oh no, it sounds like there's like a health thing or something. Yeah. Like well, that. my so mom had some health issues and she still got some health issues and you know, I was going through a divorce and, uh, yeah. So, uh, I had to find, uh, so went up to uh, my hometown to help out my mom and take her to cancer treatments and stuff. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough two year chapter of my life these last, but uh, I've come through on the other side. Oh, absolutely. Without question. Yeah. Way way better. Good, man. I'm glad to hear. Sorry. Like I said, it was one of those things I thought I was like, Oh, I wonder. That's what I told you. I'm like, it's open book, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate you sharing it with Mm -hmm. us. Um, so I, I mean, we've talked about your, your rise to, uh, to stardom. Um, I also read them. Yeah, man. That's the, there's the line of, uh, the the podcast right there. (laughs) You're, you're in Canada. So it means that it means that you can be Canadian famous. Yeah. yeah, Well, I mean, I think I recognize that guy. That's Canadian famous. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I, uh, I was reading, uh, your bio, right? I like to do a little bit of education. Like you said, right. Learn a little bit first rather than, Hey, thanks for coming. I've got no preparation. Let's right. talk. I've um, done those interviews. Like when I was doing promo for the just for laughs tour and they get these radio DJs on going <laughs> like the interview questions are like, Hey, so we got uh, funny man, uh, Pete Zedlacher oh, in the studio. Uh, so what's with your uh, headshot here? Uh, like. I'm like, that's the research you've done is looked at my headshot. Yeah, there's like, like, yeah, basically the yeah, person, yeah. the producer came and put the paper down and said, who's yeah, you talking to today? And you go, well, uh, I'll wing it. So, yeah. And then <laughs> the know? winging it questions are like, uh, so you get uh, hecklers at the just for last festival. It's like, no, no, no don't of course think. not. People are paying $80 a ticket. Yeah. Not, uh, nobody yeah. in that room wants to ruin yeah, that yeah. show. They pay, they want it to be as good as possible. <laughs> Fucking idiots. So <laughs> I appreciate the work that you put into well, it's, researching. It, it wasn't a whole lot, but I mean, I, I, like I said, well, a lot I haven't of done stuff, a whole lot. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot of your stuff I'm familiar with myself, but one of the things I didn't know is that you were a writer for the hour with George. Yeah, that was my first writing gig. Yeah. George took a real chance and, uh, and brought me in for that, uh, uh, one season. How did uh, that happen? Um, a, f- a friend of mine was writing for the show and um, I was always interested in getting my feet wet in the, in the television writing kind of game. Um, so he was leaving the show and I said, well, why don't you put in a good word for me? See if they would uh, bring me in. And then, uh, yeah, so they brought me in, they did a little writing exercise and they were like, yeah, okay, let's, let's give this a shot kind of thing. And then, uh, and then quickly realized I'm like, oh man, I'm making way less doing <laughs> TV writing than actually doing standup. Right. So I had to juggle the two careers at the same time. So that, that was, it was a tough year. It was really tough, but, uh, it was rewarding in, in, in many senses. Cause I, I made lifelong friendships and, uh, you know, I, I we made 156 episodes of television. Very cool. Yeah. So, it, and we got, I, you know, we would do these, uh, sketches, these comedy sketches with the, with the guests. So like, the list of people that I've, I've done comedy with now, you know, like uh, Morgan Freeman and, and, wow. and, uh, uh, Kevin Smith. And I mean, the list goes on That's and very on. Cool. And on. Yeah. So it was, uh, that was the rewarding part. It was just doing these weird sketches with, 
And they they trusted the CBC trusted us by the end of by the end of the season. Not even by the end of the halfway through the season, they they gave us carte blanche, like whatever you guys want to do. Like we didn't even have to pitch the sketches anymore. They really, like, yeah, they're just they, well, that's cool. They had a lot of faith in of, you guys. Yeah, we had three minutes, two and a half minutes of of television time every day to do whatever the fuck we wanted. Wow, that's kind of unheard of in this country. That's yeah. also uh, like just in talking about what you're saying before about how your your process is to come up with an idea and then talk it out, right? Was that your first time doing professional writing? Yes, it like, was. I'll write four paragraphs on Facebook and be like, holy shit, look I, at me, the good, author. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm good like, day. wow. Yeah. So the idea that you've got a two and a half minute deadline yeah, every day every of day. written stuff. Yeah. Was it a writer's room thing? Was it a it was personal a room, submission? Yeah, yeah, it was a writer's room. So we worked at the CBC building and, you know, okay, today we've got uh, Emily Van Camp coming in. So what are we going to do with Emily Van Camp? So we, we'd pitch all these ideas. And then uh, we'd find out, oh, Emily Van Camp doesn't want to do any acting sketches with us. Is so she Canadian? To, uh, no, I don't know where she's from. Okay, I was going to say, I don't, I've never heard of her. Yeah. I figured it was probably because I bring up Canadian Emily Van famous. Camp because it was the most ridiculous premise. Because oh, okay. we, we pitched a, a sketch for her, and her management was like, no, no, she doesn't want to do the sketch. So we oh, had to come up with a fuck. new sketch. This happened a lot. We had to come up with a new sketch with 10 minutes before, you know, we have to shoot this. So we're like, so one of the premises that I had pitched was, uh, I wanted to pitch Emily Van Camp's, uh, Van Camp. So it's a summer <laughs> camp where kids get to come to Van Camp and they paint murals on the side of a van. And then as we improv out the sketch, it was me and my buddy Scott who discovered that I had won the, I had won the summer camp in a, in a poker game and it was a, a camp for at risk youths. And I was terrified of the kids and it was like, it just, it turned into a real funny piece of, sketch comedy that we imp literally improv out on camera and then okay so it did happen she oh, was okay yeah. with that one she wasn't in it oh we just did we just, just yeah, did it with we, the name like i'm gonna go and i'm at because all the sketches were i was pete the writer on the show so i would so the sketch was i'm gonna go pitch emily van camp this idea and my buddy scott's like you can't do this <laughs> so uh yeah it was uh it was kind of remarkable how much how how much comedy we just churned out yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah well it's funny too when you're silly ideas because i'm sure that like i know that when i'm thinking of stuff i get all these stupid little ideas and i discard them immediately go that's ridiculous yeah. no one's gonna like that but then sitting around talking about stuff afterwards like the feedback i've got just from this podcast alone it's still relatively new i think it's only about four months old mm -hmm. is that like sometimes people will message me and that thing that you said about that i go really that was funny oh wow. I go, that was just i thought it was just talking right but you know, and sometimes you feel like you're goofing around, you're being funny. But there's times where you're just like, so it's it's definitely. I'm sure that you've gotten a lot of confidence from that too. When you're pitching an idea and you go, "Holy shit!" Some of the the simpler stuff is really getting laughs. It must help with just the whole reinforcing that machine of of being able to come up with premises. Yeah, it all it it was a learning process of uh, of, of just letting that uh, that guard down. You know, because there's no bad ideas. Just keep pitching. Just keep. You're gonna pitch 17 ideas, and one of them might be okay. Right. Know? And then the next day you're going to pitch 25 of them and zero are going to be okay. You know, you just got to keep, yeah, keep, you know, do you have to fight? Like, this is something I read in Carlin's book. He was talking about how he hated the, well, he didn't hate, but he, he wasn't a huge fan of the writer's rooms in mm -hmm. the sense that he felt like if you really felt strongly about something, you'd have to maybe fight for an idea. Yeah. And he goes, but every time you fought for one and you won, you kind of had to let some others go. Like it was a pick your battles oh, kind of thing. Did you, did you feel that ever in a Not writer's in, room? Uh, it's so tiny, the Canadian <laughs> comedy writing scenes right so it's uh like when i wrote for george there was five of us that were writers on the on the tv show on the talk show whereas letterman and leno ran at the same time uh letterman had 50 writers and leno Holy had 60 shit. you know what i mean so really that many oh yeah so and I that's mean, what they came up with every night 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, at that one point, it's almost like, a, I, w- I would think, what do I know, but too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing at that point. Well, it's uh, those are all writers, but they all submit. Like, obviously, not everyone's getting their stuff on, right? So, right. you know, I know guys that write for, you know, talk shows now, and if they get one thing on a week, they're... They're jazzed. They're, yeah, they're batting a thousand. Um, whereas the five of us just churning out a talk show every day was remarkable that we even got anything on the air that was funny because it was you know like uh the daily show had five uh story editors alone whereas we had five writers you know right like, for everything yeah top they, to bottom, they had, had researchers they had more researchers than we had writers <laughs> so um yeah it was uh it was it was a learning process for sure and it was uh valuable i would think almost the way you were saying that some of this the people the guests on would not want to to do something you'd think it's almost funny. did you get to a point where you're like okay before we even start developing this idea let's pitch it to them and see if they're even on board well we'd have to have it ready we'd have to like really type, yeah to bring bring it to them kind of thing and uh because that would suck if you got like you spent yeah. three hours working oh, on yeah. something and then they're like nope you're like okay literally, well that's scrapped let's literally every day that would be you know every other day some Fuck. And, and it was the bigger stars were always like, absolutely, do anything you want. Let's, yeah. And it was always the Canadian celebrities that were like, no, I don't do that. Matthew, good. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I really hope that that gets pumped up with my audio, audio software. I just, yeah, that's, yeah uh, it's, it's interesting. I've, I found that just in the people that I've met. I find that the, the guys who are, who are doing incredibly well tend to be the most reasonable, sure, let's, you know, cooperative. You know, they're, they're fearless because, you know, like, yeah, they've established themselves. Whereas these Canadian celebrities were just like, no, I don't want to look bad on this mm. TV show. And it's like, yeah, you're going to be famous for another afternoon. And then you're going to be, you know. Yeah. Um, well, you see these, like some of the most popular stuff now is the U.S. talk shows where they got these car karaoke and stuff like that. We I mean, know people are singing in cars, making fools of themselves, but it, it humanizes you. Because people go, oh, they're not untouchable. Just a regular dude having some fun on the right. show kind of thing. So. Right. I don't know. Maybe the the people at the top sort of realize that is you know, yeah. Good know. point. Good point. I remember Kevin Smith came on the show and he was game to do anything that we were like. He's a celebrity, you know. Like yeah, you know. Um. Yeah, it was a it was a, it was a nice uh, learning lesson too. Like yeah, be be open and receptive to things, you know. Like yeah. Well, I uh, I've got here too something that I've listened to. I just started listening to last year. Actually, never heard of it. heard of it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Is uh, CBC's The Debaters? You oh were, yeah, you were a writer for that, and you, you've also been on the oh, show many, too as many, one of the uh, debaters. 20, 20 episodes. Like okay, twenty two somewhere in there. How's that like? It's great. It's great. It's uh, um, CBC Radio is beyond wildly popular. Like it's it's remarkable. Like uh, sometimes I'll do an event and I'll get introduced. Like he's performed at the just for last festival in montreal people are like oh yeah <laughs> uh, he's performed uh, he's won the serious xms uh, oh i've heard of that and then he's done the debaters on cbc radio <gasps> oh my god he's a real celebrity then yeah it's <laughs> it's uh yeah they, they have a huge listenership like it's uh wildly popular yeah and i've heard the episodes um they're they're about 22 minutes long mm-hmm. when you hear them but you you prepare a lot more oh yeah of stuff than that for, format for anyone who doesn't know is basically like a subject will come out and, and, you know, you have two comedians, one's debating usually for or against something right. or, or, or two different things that are similar veins, which one's better, mm-hmm. but you end up creating a lot more content than actually what gets used in the end. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I've, I've written chunks that have been cut from the, from the debate that I've used in my standup because it was, it was funny enough that. I've, okay. Uh, so yeah. you build something on that. That's yeah, kind of yeah. cool. All right. Again, the process of writing where you never know, like you just 
physically sit down and type and then you create things. Yeah. yeah. And you can keep, and that's the thing you can keep it. If, yeah. if I'm not using it now, I can store it in a vault and yeah. maybe it'll tag onto something else. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's a great show. If, if your listeners have not turned tuned in, yeah. Check out uh, the debaters on CBC where you can check them out on iTunes too. Yeah. They're definitely available. As soon as yeah. you've, you've caught yourself up with one man podcast. That's right. Free to check. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've binged, listened to all every episode. Yeah. I yeah. can't, some people have done that. I can't fathom it. Really? Oh. I got yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Are you talking about the debaters? I thought you were talking about my show. I was like, I can't imagine someone just listening to me chat for fucking. <laughs> yeah, I. that's what I did. I, I was yeah. doing yard work when yeah. I first, and I was like, I was just dicking around. I was trying to, I think, answer a question, who is on something? And uh, and I looked at the episode and I found it on iTunes. I Googled right. it and right. I found the iTunes page. And I was like, oh, I can just listen to it. I yeah. thought I had to be listening to the radio no, no. when it aired. And that's so, a relatively newer thing that they've done. They finally dumped them all onto uh, iTunes. But yeah. Uh, and I binged. I listened to episode yeah. after episode after episode. Yeah. And it was cool that it was different comics. Mm-hmm. So I get to hear the different comedy styles, obviously mm-hmm. different debates. So it, it stayed fresh enough to be able to binge listen to it. Yeah. So yes, I definitely suggest that. Um, now I want to say too, you've been all over television and movies. Were there some uh, favorite experiences in terms of the acting stuff? Oh, because you worked yeah. on Romero's. That's uh, the what was it called? One. Zombie. It's called Survival of the Dead. Survival of the Dead. That's right. The one I was in. Yeah. Um, I had made a short film years ago called uh, Zombie Girlfriend, and uh, so I had audition for um, for um, the casting director who was casting this movie, and I gave him a copy of my short film. I was like, just just check, just take a look at it, just so you know that I'm a huge Romero fan. Um, so then I get a phone call uh, like a couple of weeks later that, hey, we're going to cast you as a talk show stooge for uh, Survival of the Dead. I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, what? Because that's not what I auditioned for. Right. So then they sent me the script and I'm like, oh, OK. So this is something completely different than what I auditioned for. So we shot it on Halloween. So I'm shooting a George Romero movie on, on Halloween, Halloween. With, so with George Strombolopoulos. So it was George was the talk oh. show host and I was the the sidekick. And then <laughs> fast forward a year and a half later, I was actually the sidekick on his real life TV real talk show. show. Yeah. So neat. Was um, that in any way related to the two things happening? Do you think, not, or just coincidence? I don't know. Just weird. Well, the way the you universe, said your friend was, was there. And, right. But, uh, yeah, just neat the way the universe works sometimes. That's super cool. But, um, yeah, so I'm walking. I walked into the studio and then I bumped into George Romero and I was like, Oh my, like, wow. Uh, hello. Um, yeah, I'm going to be playing a talk show stooge today. He's, oh, yeah, the, the kid from the movie. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah we're going to do this. I'm like, kid from the movie. So then I talked to the uh, casting director afterwards, and he told me that Romero watched my short film and then said, oh, we got to get this guy in our movie. So they wrote that piece for me. Like he wrote that talk show. Talk wrote show, you into the wrote movie. Wrote me into That's the movie. Fucking Isn't that awesome. crazy? I know. That's the pinnacle. Like if I've done nothing else in my comedy career like that i've got that moment to be like oh my god that was <laughs> remarkable are, are you a big horror movie fan oh huge yeah 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 well like, we can just we can sidestep the uh the, the bio for a second and just say what's like <laughs> what's some of your favorite like horror dawn genres? of the dead is yeah? my, my go-to yeah like i've seen that movie a hundred times if i've seen it once it's uh yeah um yeah i'm a big romero fan so when that came up it was just uh I couldn't believe it was actually happening. What did you think of the remake? It was good. I was actually on the set for that one. My, oh, really? My buddy was a is a medic, so he uh, he snuck me onto the set that day, and I watched the you know Ving Rhames do a scene, and that's super cool. Yeah, it was cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like uh, have any favorites? You know, horror stuff. The girlfriend and I are huge. Horror oh yeah, movie fans. Yeah, yeah. What was it? I just watched Annabelle Creation. <laughs> 
<laughs> I did. I, I did say. too. I was talking about. Yeah. So okay, because I find right now with horror movies is right. that they have they they go for the scares, the story. With, it's all jump scares. That whole movie was just jump scares. There nonstop, was, dude. And I'm so high strung. I'm sitting in the theater with my yeah, fucking hand yeah. on her lap and the other, Jesus <laughs> fucking ever. Like, constantly jump. Oh, nice. I'm loud as shit. But it just, what the fuck? And, like, and then I'm back to, to normal. But I'm like right. the high E chord wound too tight on guitar. Uh-huh. Just plucked the shit out of me the whole movie. Um, I, I found <laughs> it freaky, but it, but I mean, the story in horrors is really still sort of gone to shit. That, I think it was... Uh, Sixteen dollars and change to see that movie mm-hmm. times two, so it's like thirty-two bucks to see Annabelle Creation for me, and my girlfriend, and uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> thirty-two. I can think of way better ways to spend thirty-two dollars. Right. Yeah. Come to Absolute Comedy on Friday or Saturday night, and it's uh, I think less expensive than seeing Annabelle Creation, or the same price, or the same price. You even. get as many yeah. laughs as you do jump scares. Oh, for sure. Maybe more. Way more. <laughs> way more. I think my my. Uh, a standard for for movies is like if I, I've said this before, but if 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 it scares me, yeah. if it's a horror and it scares me, then it then it did its job. Yeah, I I will I will let go the story in terms of it scares. If I'm sitting there like super invested and my fucking hairs are standing on end, right. like I'm I'm like okay, then it did its job. I'll look back at the story and go, I'm not going to watch it over and over. I'm not going to recommend it to other people, right. but it did its job for me. Same with a comedy, you could have a stupid stupid story but if i'm laughing the whole movie yeah through, i guess i'm too guess literal of a mind sometimes like sometimes like a, a, a plot device doesn't work or like the, the uh, continuity screws up in right. the movie or whatever it just takes me out of the movie and i'm like well fuck this, this is garbage then. right and, and i and i'm, I'm get not that. scared anymore i'm not entertained anymore i'm just thinking about the how the fuck did they make this mistake in this movie well and it's funny too because i've listened to uh chris hardwick from nerdist mm-hmm. uh, he actually interviewed an epidemiologist What's that? Uh, that's so I, I had to root word it to figure out what the fuck was. So so epi, epidemia or whatever is from like epidemic. Okay. So these are people who who go and they like cure diseases and they administer drugs. So if there's an outbreak of something oh. somewhere. They're the ones who go out and try to contain the epidemic okay. and, and and cure it and treat it and all that stuff. All right. So their their knowledge of biology and everything like that is is crazy, and uh, and so Hardwick is talking to him about like dawn of the dead and, and mm-hmm. walking dead and stuff like that and and says like so you know what do you think of that stuff and the guy's like well it doesn't really you know i can't really think of it because i know it's physically impossible for that right to ever happen it's just the way the body works and right and he goes he goes so does that that stop you from being able to enjoy it he goes well not i try to suspend but i'm like i just know it's impossible so when something happens they're like you got to take the head he's like it doesn't none of that happens ah, you know so yeah he can't like it's the same ideas. He can't get past the science of it to just mm. go. That just would never happen. Mm. So, yeah, it's. Cute. I disagree with that guy. I think yeah. like it's totally possible. <laughs> I think zombies are a real thing. But I was just actually. thinking, yeah, the the uh, the Annabelle. I'm like, I mean, I remember the plot points of Dawn of the Dead being very. Uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. That scene in the hallway, though, in Annabelle, where you just hear the footsteps in the dark, and then it starts running towards the bedroom. That's yeah. Good. There's uncomfortable notes oh absolutely you know absolutely i i still like being scared like i'll watch garbage on netflix everything i feel like you have to watch like 10 or 12 bad horrors for every good one that you get well especially on netflix it's all one star movies that's on uh, they got rid of their star system yeah i know i think for that reason that there was so many like one star things because i looked up those one star horror movies and be like oh this one looks really bad i'm gonna (laughs) there was one called wolf cop that i was oh yeah that's a canadian movie oh is it yeah 
I just, I remember I haven't seen it yet though. I highlighted the, the icon for it. Yeah. And then the picture that showed up on the top banner was, was this werewolf, werewolf laying, cop. laying on his <laughs> side, doing a boudoir shoot. Oh, so and it's like, like a comedy horror movie. It's not supposed to be. No. That's the thing. I'm like, why the fuck is that the promo shot? That oh. just looks, why is he doing a photo shoot? Just like, I don't know. It's well, ridiculous. Wolf cop sounds like it's comedy. It does. It does. A lot of horror movies, you would think. They ones Wolf that seem serious. That's why that's what happened to Gremlins. The first Gremlins was supposed to be a horror. And was it, it really? Was, yeah. And oh. it was so fucking ridiculous that the second one they're like, well then let's just Looney Tunes it oh, up and see, make yeah. it silly. Because they tried to make it scary and it just it wasn't. I mean, when you have Howie Mandel as the main character in, in the, movie, the sequel? The first one. Howie Mandel was in the Gremlins? Gizmo is Howie Mandel. He did the voice of Gizmo. Does he really? Yeah. Oh my god. Thirty years later I'm finding yeah. this out. Yeah, that's Howie Mandel. Oh amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's told. I can hear it now. Like I can yeah. actually. That's like his Bobby voice or whatever. Exactly. Right? Oh, funny. Exactly. He was Gizmo. Yep. Oh, good for Howie. <laughs> nice. I don't know if he did the purring that that Gizmo did, but <laughs> but yeah. So there we go. A little sidestep into to yeah. horse. Have you seen any good horrors lately? Hmm. What's the last good one I saw? Oh, 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 oh. what am I thinking of? Um, no, the <laughs> names are not popping into my head. Um, nope. You know what I liked is you had mentioned your little short film that Romero saw, mm-hmm. which I want to plug again. It was Zombie Girlfriend. Can right. we find it anywhere? No. Fuck. Can you put it up? Nope. Okay. It uh, stars my ex-wife, and I'm just I'm, oh, okay, I'm fair enough. Fucking I, done. Yeah, done, done. I'll probably never watch that short film ever. You again. gotta do a remake, man. That's the trend yeah, I guess now. You could, do a yeah, remake. Yeah. You put the new yeah. girl in it. It's funny because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Rob Zombie had a contest years ago. Like he said, uh, submit your short film and then uh we're going to select one of the short films to be made into a feature i was like that's a brilliant idea like yeah. what a, so then i submitted that that short film of course it went nowhere but uh i would have liked to have seen that happen well there's there's uh did you see lights out yes okay that's the one that, that was i wanted a short to reference. film yeah there was okay perfect and i had a feeling that might be i yeah. wanted to add it too because that reminded me of the whole like there's a little trend now where people are doing these little short films online mm-hmm. and studios are seeing it going, well, what if we expand yeah, yeah. that idea? So believe it or not, the lights out was obviously a short version that, that became a full one. And did you know that the director mm-hmm. of lights out is the one that just did this new Annabelle creation? He directed that. Uh, Jordan Peele was the, who that was get out. Oh, get out. Oh, oh are you thinking of get out? Oh yeah. Okay. What's lights out? Lights out was like a horror where there was this thing that was in the light, but if you flick or sorry, it was, it was not, <laughs> not visible in light, but you flick the light off and it's in the dark. So basically keep the lights on. You're safe. The lights go off. And this, this creature woman thing is there. Great. It was a, wow. I saw the short film on YouTube. It was one of those things that, you know, a few years oh, ago yeah. saw it in someone's newsfeed. And it was just someone who's going to bed. This, this woman, he's got actually four or five of them on the internet. If you like creepy little shit, this guy does a bunch of, I think great, I know what you're describing where he turns in the off hallway the light and, and then, yeah. there's something standing at the end of the hall, yeah. turns it back on. It's gone. It, turn gone, it off. Yeah. So and yeah, and then it's closer. Yeah. She goes into a room and turns the light and it's flickering yeah. and you know, she sees the light in the hallway turn off and whatever. It was, uh, it was creepy. <laughs> yeah. You're getting creeped out. Yeah. I, Hey, I like that guy. Lights of shit. out. Hey, it's called lights out, but they, they developed it into a, a full feature length movie. It came right. out a couple of years ago and same, same premise. In fact, they had the same woman from the short version do recreate almost the same scene in a warehouse instead oh, wow. of thing. Yeah. Good movie. It's not, it's not changing the game on anything, right. but it was a good, a good adaptation of these little YouTube uh, video. Yeah. And, and then that guy was the one who directed the new Annabelle creation. So he got his full length lights mm-hmm. out and then directed Annabelle creation work mm-hmm. with uh, what's his face. James one on that. Right. 
So I like that whole universe that James Wan has created. That yeah, the, the, the Conjuring, Conjuring and, the, and uh, he wrote Saw. The Warren. I didn't know he wrote Saw. He wrote oh, a directed Saw, that. the first one. Did he really? Yeah, and That's same with thing. Insidious. He he yeah. will do like the first two of something, and then he moves on to something else. So interesting. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool for for you know movie fans is that uh, Patrick Wilson yeah. was in Insidious, and then. He and was he in became, The Conjuring as well. So it's kind of, yeah. I, I, you see it when directors like someone yeah. that they bring them along to their other, other projects, right. whatever. But yeah, there's a great, there's a ton of little YouTube videos that are like these little five to 10 minute right. horror flicks. If you Google it, I mean, for any listeners too, if I hope this is entertaining, but uh, if you Google like, you know, top 10, you know, uh, YouTube horror flicks or okay. whatever, you can find these little, you know, just lists of, Hey, check these out. Yeah. And then they have the links in the, the oh, thing nice. and you can watch them freaky as hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but just if you like that kind of thing, uh-huh, cool. but but Ghetto was great. Yeah, that was it really, fucking it was brilliant. It was, um, I, I think it's one of the most successful independent movies of all time, kind of thing. Now. Yeah, so it's Time uh, Magazine put Jordan Peele as one of the top 100 most influential people in Hollywood uh, because of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if Jordan Peele's listening to this, <laughs> I think we <laughs> should be, be best friends. I think we should. Uh, me and Jordan Peele would be we we'd be buddies. Oh yeah, yeah. He sounds like amazing yeah. dude. Yeah, amazing funny dude, dude, horror movie guy. You know, I've seen, I listened to a few of his interviews. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're buddies. We're, yeah, yeah, me we and get Jordan along. Bill, yeah. Another yeah. great thing about listening to like these long interviews, because mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I like to do these is that like you see an interview on TV where it's like a five minute at most thing where it's just very quick. Hey, how was that? And mm-hmm. you know, what did you do to get ready for this? But it's always short and fleeting. You don't really get to know the person. So. Yeah, I think I think he's a stellar dude. I Isn't listened brilliant? to his, his that, Nerdist interview. And yeah, just that's the one I listened to too. Yeah, did you? Yeah. yeah, and he was talking about how he was such a big fan of like Rosemary's Baby right. and Halloween and how right. all these little things were, you know, nods and homages to to so, different things. So when Romero died, I was like, oh, I wonder if Jordan Peele ever got a chance to talk to Romero, like because that clearly the Get Out was inspired by Night of the Living Dead, like that whole, you know. Yeah, I would love to. Have, be a fly on the wall for those two talking about their movies together. Like that would have been a, a remarkable conversation. Absolutely. Even, yeah. even the guy, I, I heard this term when I was looking up James Wan, have you ever heard of the splat pack? No, that's what they call the group of guys, James Wan, Eli Roth. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. There's like a few of them who are all like notorious horror movie makers. Rob oh. Zombie. I don't know if Rob Zombie's in it, but just this, this new age of guys who are doing mm. all like these horror sort of gory movies. They call yeah, yeah. The, the splat pack. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just and Eli Roth is now doing the the remake or reboot, I guess, of uh, of uh, uh, Death Wish. With uh, have you seen that preview? With uh, Death Wish, no, no, Death, Death Note, no, Death Wish, Death Wish, like the old uh, Charles, Van- Charles Bronson movie. Oh, from back right, in the right. Day I don't want to say Van Damme. But with yeah. Bruce Willis is going to re relaunch the movie or whatever. Did you know that they are rebooting Tales from the Crypt? Oh my God, for real? Yeah, I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna really deflate you though. Oh, M Night Shyamalan. Oh, I like it. I like him. Okay. Okay. I think that's a perfect fit. Like he would, he, he makes Twilight Zone episodes, like just out feature length Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, I feel like he makes Stephen <laughs> King novels at feature length episodes <laughs> where it's like a great premise and that a great a story and right then there. a huge disappointment at the end. Sometimes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> King, King's getting better at his, his, his endings. That's for sure. I think he sold the rights to the shitty endings to Shyamalan because <laughs> right around the same time. They started changing. Well, so yeah, I'm excited for that. When Tales are, are they going to have the Crypt Keeper? Is it going to be like I, the whole I, thing? So they say. I I, yeah. Googled, I saw it online very briefly. It wasn't like something that was advertised to me. It's something that I stumbled across. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping it's real. I'm hoping it's legitimate. Mm. But they had 2017, 2018-ish time frame. Yeah, so, I'm in. So maybe, yeah, I mean, me too. And I think it's Showtime that's doing it. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Okay. but uh, It's not CBC? 
<laughs> no? Yeah, CBC got nope. the, uh, the yeah. rights for it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking CBC. That's funny. I, uh, so yeah, I mean, just like I said, uh, I, I like the idea. I, I, it's very cool that you've been all over television and movies. Any, any, just to, to bookend that, is there any experiences from that or anything? Like, obviously, Romero seeing your thing and writing yeah, a that was, that's pretty fucking cool. I, I can't top that one, that's for sure. Um, yeah, you know, my acting career is, op- I, I think I've played a cop. 13 times <laughs> like that's what happens in canadian uh film and television like they they bring a production up to toronto and they they have you know like all the major casting is done in la or new york and then all the supporting characters are all cast in toronto so it's right. like oh there's a movie being shot in toronto great you know there's seven roles for actors with three lines each you know so I think after the thirteenth time I played a cop, I told my management, "I'm like, I got to be done with cops. Like, yeah. I've like, I played a street cop, I've played a detective, uh, special investigations unit guy, um, and I was like, okay, so unless it's um, like a conservation officer, <laughs> I gotta start <laughs> thinking of other kind of cops that I can play. So mall cop, you can do the mall cop. Yeah, I guess. Secu- no, I played a security guard. Did, I did you? That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. With um, uh. Laura Vanderhoof. Do you know who that actress is? She it was sort of rings a bell. Yeah, she's she was on V, and she's. Uh, but I remember she was like seventeen at the time, and I, and just Im- immediately I was like, oh my god, you're going to be a star, and uh, and she had a balaclava in the scene, like she we had a fight. Oh, okay. And I told her, I'm like, wow, you're going to be a big TV star and a movie star, and I'm going to tell people that I w- worked with you, but they're not going to believe me because you got a balaclava, balaclava. on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then sure enough, like a year later, she was on the cover of Maximum. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. What was yeah. her name? Laura Vanderhoof. Vander, Vanderhoof. Maybe I do know who you're talking about. Uh, if I had a pen or It thing. was on, well, uh, what the was it? Uh, oh, uh, Sue Thomas, FBI. That was the TV show I worked on. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's so interesting. Played a, played, a, played a security guard, got beaten up by a girl. Yeah, the back of my head's on Trailer Park Boys movie. Oh, nice. stood Stood in the snow in the same day that we filmed. Uh, I was the legalize it. We filmed on Parliament Hill for 420. Mm. The same day it had snow, mm-hmm. rain, and beautiful sunshine, mm. all for like a 30 second scene. Weird. So most of it got cut out because oh, it right. didn't make sense. Oh, that right. In one second, the sky is black. <laughs> and the next second, it's beautiful oh, sunshine yeah. out there. But it, what made it to the movie was the back of my head in between Ricky and Bubbles. There you go. So. Your no movie one, star. No, yeah, exactly. Yep. No one will believe it. I go, you see that, that receding hairline in the back? That weird <laughs> sort of. Yeah, that's me. My my flaw proves it. Um, you're a regular entertainer for the troops. And I yeah, to bring that up. Yep. Um, that's like, that's my pride and joy. That's my yeah. uh, That's my big feather in my cap. That's uh, I'm super proud to to jump on board anytime they they call me up to ask if I can do a show for the troops. So how did you get started in that? Like, what's what's what are those experiences like? Is that something that even a lot of, of huge comics yeah either don't do or don't get to do? Uh, April of 2002, I got a phone call saying, uh, hey, would you be interested in doing a show uh, in Kandahar for the Canadian soldiers? And it was the day that the news broke that the American soldiers had dropped a bomb on the Canadian soldiers uh, in the friendly fire incident. So I told my manager, I'm like, have you seen the news today? (laughs) Like, this is a really bad timing. Uh, and I said, so what's the details? And they said, well, we don't really know. It's, it's a three week commitment. You're going to be in and around, uh, Afghanistan. You got to keep it under your hat that you're going to be over there. You can't tell anybody kind of thing. And immediately I was like, yes, of course. Yeah, I'm going. Why is that? If you don't mind asking, um, so I'm trying to put it together why they wouldn't want you to tell anyone that you're going to be there. I think just for, you know, like war, war secrets, you know, like right, you don't okay. want the enemy to know anything of 
about intelligence about what's going on or whatever. If, if they know that there's entertainers going to be in in theater, then, then they people might, are less less at their posts or something like that. Or maybe more of a chance to you know demoralize if they you know hit his hit us with a bomb or something. You know, yeah. if they kill some entertainers, that would be. It would be disaster, disaster to the war effort. Like if, if there's some if, entertainers if, that I would send and oh, want absolutely. the enemy to yeah, yeah. know that they're going to be <laughs> absolutely just let the Taliban know. Hey, we're sending this guy out there. But uh, I was, I, I think I was, and I've exaggerated this story so many times, but I think I was the fifth comic to be asked to do that first tour, and the four guys turned it down in front of really? me. Really? Well, and and I understand. I knew two of the guys that that turned it down and I understand why they turned it down. Cause they were married with kids and you know, like, so they were so, okay. So it was, a. I would never ask you to name names, but their, their reasons were for legitimate. Just, yeah, absolutely. Just, okay. They were like, yeah, absolutely. Can't, can't go because you know, if they get killed then their wife and children have no father and no income, like, so the same reasons people wouldn't join the military. Right. And at the time I was 27 years old and fearless and like, yeah, like let's do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that first opportunity was, uh, yeah. April of 2002 flew over to Kandahar, changed my life, changed the way I, I look at the world, changed the way I, I look at the, our, our soldiers and how they, uh, how they represent us overseas. Like they're the best example of us. Like they are really, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. They are. Yeah. They, uh, we are in good hands when we are represented overseas. That's awesome. They're good diplomats yeah, over there. They are. They, uh, Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm working on a one man show currently, uh, called war comic that I hope to have up on its feet for, uh, 2018, but, um, just a collection of all these war stories of me, uh, you know, my eight tours overseas and, and dozens of other little shows that I've done over, over time, but you know, Kandahar, Kabul, uh, uh, the Persian Gulf, you know, um, any stories Qatar. that you want to share here? Not necessary if you're saving it for the hour, but uh, is there anything? Well, what unique? kind of like, there's a, a million stories, like funny ones and dark, whatever, ones whatever and, you want to share, anything that you would want people to hear about what's going on, whether it's funny or, or serious, like, well, one that's, uh, that really changed the way I, uh, a quick one. We, we, the last one I was, uh, I did in, in Kabul, we were driving out of the city in, uh, in bomb proof, uh, Land Rovers. And these kids were running along the side of the, the, the trucks and kind of made me nervous. Like, what the fuck are these kids doing? Right. But they were, it looked like they were trying to like flag us down. And I was like, what's going on with these kids? And they're like, Oh, they're just waving at us. Like the kids were waving. And as we drove past, we, we drove past a school that the Canadian soldiers had built for these kids. Oh. So, so anytime that they saw the Canadian flag, they would run and they wave to the so soldiers. Like gratitude. It's just as like, Hey, it's the good guys kind of thing. Oh wow! So it was just that moment of going from like, Holy shit, these kids are going to fucking attack us to, Oh no, they're, they're actually giving us thanks because, and then, oh, that's the school we built for them. Like, how the fuck did these stories not get out? Like this is, this is stuff that Canadians need to know. So, so when I got back to Canada, it was, uh, it was very important for me to like, you know, tell these stories on stage and and let people know that, you know, Canadian soldiers are, are kicking ass over there and, and, and representing us properly. Excellent. Yeah. That's great. And I'm looking for, what was the name of the one man show? War comic, war comic, and that's something that you're developing. Something, right I'm, now. yeah. So we'd had a little run through at the comedy bar in uh, Toronto uh, a few months ago. It went great. Um, I'm hoping to put it up in some of the fringe festivals around the country. Get it worked up, and then uh, hopefully for next year, get it in uh, you know the uh, Montreal fringe, the Toronto fringe, 
you know, and then we have a very small one here. <clears throat> Do you really? Yeah, we have okay. a French press. It's get in the last few years. I've seen it grow in popularity. Yeah. A lot of local guys. I've seen the Montreal ones. And there's a lot of shows that happen there. Yeah. In the last couple of years, I've seen the Ottawa one really, really growing too, and a lot of people like a lot of demand for the the shows and stuff too. Interesting. So yeah. I'll let you know when I yeah find out. What so it is. Uh, yeah, so that's something I'm going to be uh, working on, and then eventually, hopefully. Uh, get it on its feet, get it shiny, sharp, yeah, funny, Tape and it. then bring it to uh, Edinburgh. I'd like to bring it to the Edinburgh. Oh, very yeah. cool. Yeah. So very cool. So some long-term goals for the next uh, year or so. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I like that. I, I'm looking forward to it too. Like I said, I, I wouldn't ask you to share all the stories just because you want to keep it. It's, it's, but that's, it's a one man show. Thing. And that's how I discovered these stories. Cause I was, I was kind of journaling them. Like, what am I going to do with these? I'm like, Oh, it's, it's not really stand up. It's some of them are like, darker and some mm -hmm. of them are like and uh, you know just slice of life kind of thing but it's, it's hard to like stand up is like set up punch you know you need a laugh every 45 seconds otherwise it becomes right. a little you know ranty and so it's a little more of a one-man show where it's you know just storytelling and well especially if you're telling stories about like you said <clears> things <throat> that are particularly dark at some points you just you need to to release the tension as well too right. so it helps to have a little laugh point after yeah. some stuff Stand up, stand up comic audiences. They just want to laugh. Like you know, if mm. you if you come to a one man, if you come to a theater show, you know you're going to be brought on a journey, and there's going to be a story that you're going to be told. Yeah. So, new muscle. Yeah, absolutely. I'm well. Like I said, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear it. I've heard of, of other comics who are going over there and stuff, and and you know, you hear good stories and, and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I've heard of guys some... losing fifteen thousand dollars going over there. You know, just plugging away and not getting an audience over there. It's terrifying. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'd like to. Kick and you can. still, you still go? Is it still a, a relatively to Edinburgh? You mean? Is no, I'm mean? talking about going overseas to perform for the troops. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I was like, they lose fifteen thousand. I thought they were giving up the work to go entertain the troops. Oh well, that's I, and that's then, true yeah, too. But yeah. uh, no, I was talking about. I thought. I'm sorry, we're on a different way. That's okay. Here. I was. That's on, okay. I was still on Edinburgh. You're <laughs> on uh, military tours. Yeah. No, uh, I get uh, I get phone calls all the time. But you know, sometimes I'm just double booked. I can't do it, kind of thing, and I have to turn it down. Um, last one I did was um, Canada Day with um, at CFB Shiloh with uh, Loverboy. Me and Loverboy rock. I was, dude, I had like three Loverboy songs I was listening to this morning. Is that right? Oh, yeah, going through, like, I I think I Googled it for uh, uh, everyone's working for the weekend, yeah. but then I just kept going through the greatest hits. Is, Love and Every Minute of It was remarkable how many songs they had. Like, I did the same thing when I got booked for it. I'm like, Loverboy. And I looked it up on Apple Music. And I'm yeah. like, every song came up. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this would be oh, fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> Why don't I know? Yeah. Dude, last year I, I was going through <clears throat> What's His Face. Okay, of course, I can't even think of his name now. Mm -hmm. uh lonely is the night guy the stroke oh. what the fuck is his name oh uh oh shit um okay so at least it's not just stroke. me stroke. yeah stroke me stroke me yeah well that guy i was like how do i not know his yeah, name yeah. was the point i yeah. was trying to and make and i still don't he so still there illustrated you go. it perfectly yeah so uh but i just remember like i pulled up one of his um it's not chris it's not chris no, I'm like, no. it's definitely not Chris no. Isaac or something. No, it's not Chris Isaac at all. Fuck's sakes. All right. Well, whatever. I'm that sure there's people, with, um, people are screaming at the fucking. Yeah, they are right now. Are you fucking How do you me? not know? Yep. Yeah, Tommy Two-Tone. <laughs> but the idea was, yeah. So that happened like a year ago. That guy, I'm like, how do I? Oh, I know all these songs. Mm -hmm. How did I not know who this guy was? Well, yeah, I guess still not. <laughs> Should have wrote it down on <laughs> the fucking phone. See, shouldn't that's I? exactly right. Because it's gone now. We, uh, we're standing side, <laughs> side stage, me and my girlfriend, and we're watching Loverboy from like me to you away. Like, holy shit, it's fucking Loverboy. And just smiling and, and kind of dancing around. And then Mike Reno sees us side of the stage or whatever, and then walks over to us and then puts his hands out. So then Melody just goes up and gives him a hug. And then I go up and give him a hug. <laughs> and he says, happy Canada Day. And I'm like, 
this is the most Canadian thing that's ever happened to me. That's <laughs> like, fucking at amazing. Shiloh, Mike <laughs> Reno from Loverboy hugs me and says, happy Canada Day. That's amazing. Yeah. That's fucking wicked, dude. <laughs> I, so we already, I mean, like one of the questions I had, but we sort of approached earlier is, is just your process or we, we talked about your process. Do you have anything that you would say to, you know, uh, you know, younger comedians or any younger creatives, any, anything that, that you would say, just this, yeah. just keep this in mind, anything. It's, it's okay if you don't. Oh, I, I do. Mean, we did talk about a lot. I do. I, I, I always tell young comics, get into Canadian standup comedy for the right reasons. Like mm. if you're in this to become famous or if you're in this as a stepping stone to get into, you know, acting, or if you're, if you're, if you have any other reason to get into standup besides the love of standup, then this isn't for you kind of thing. Because, you're not going to get discovered. There's not going to be a moment where, you know, you're going to be plucked out and you're going to be put into a sitcom. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Right. Um, get into stand up because you love stand up comedy. Like there's a, there's the art of stand up is, is still amazing to me. Like 21 years in, I still get excited. Like I've got a new bit and I'm chomping. I'm excited. You know, sometimes I'll throw it at the beginning of my set just to throw myself off balance, you know? Yeah. So if I ever lose that kind of, lust for stand-up i think i i would hang it up because that's the only reason you do stand-up is because for the love of it right right um you know if you're if you're good at it and you can make a lot of money like doing stand-up comedy but that's you're, you're gonna be it's like winning the lottery if you're yeah you know so it's, it's still work as much as when you start work. it feels like a fraternity like you were saying the early days just being at spirits yeah hanging you know, out with your brothers and it's so drinking much beer it's right? so much do it fun for a beer yeah, absolutely <laughs> but still i'm still out there on a tuesday night doing Vern's in Calgary, you know, or, you know, the you know, a number of open mics where there's, like I said, there's 10 comics sitting around and four audience members, but you know, right now, is that something I can ask? Cause that didn't mm -hmm. occur to me before, but it, was there a particular reason that you moved from, from, uh, Ontario to, to Alberta? Yeah, I did a lot of TV writing. We had talked about, you know, right. writing for George and writing for Ron and, uh, I wrote for a TV show, um, called still standing for a while. And then uh, when I was, you know, transitioning, trying to figure out what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go. You're a tranny? Yeah, I'm a transsexual okay. man. Yeah. <laughs> My vagina Sorry. is beautiful. Just right had now. to break it up there. <laughs> Going back to that reference, guys. We're, bring, we're, we're yeah, bringing just, it back. Pete and I are getting, bringing it back. We're, In a very loving, accepting we sort of way. We got some letters out of it. <laughs> yeah. Anything to get people to write in. I asked them. <laughs> But I'm at a point in my in my comedy career where I can I can literally live anywhere because I'm on the week on the road on the weekends anyway. So um, Calgary's always been a nice fit for me. I, I love the Calgary comedy scene. I love the city. Uh, the mountains are right there, you know. Um, so I thought, you know, instead of going back to Toronto and then really just going back to square one and then and, and you know hustling for TV writing gigs and you know move to Alberta where it's uh, everything is literally thirty percent less expensive than downtown Toronto. Right. Um, and then and and I'll be honest, be a little bit more of a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Right. Uh, well, it kind of reminds me of what you said about how just challenge you're starting again. So yeah. why not challenge yourself, throw yourself off kilter a little and bit, just exactly something new, it, right? So, so that's, next that's thing you know, cool. I've written half an hour of, of stuff about Alberta and being the, the new guy in Alberta and what's going on. So that's going to be my next one man show. That's going to happen after war comic. So I've got plans for one man shows up until 2020, I guess. Okay. That's until we get cool. rid of uh, Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck that's with that. That's a whole new fucking can of worms. Eh? <laughs> 
So we had talked. So I was. I mean, my next question was, "What's next for you?" We know what it is. We yeah. know it's the uh, the the one man show. Yeah. About Canadian forces, it's the one man show about Alberta. You had mentioned off the top of the show that you've got some things coming up. Can I just bug you for for those again? For anyone? Yeah, I'm going to go to. Uh, so I'm 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 the fourth guy of the Snowed In comedy tour. So okay. This is uh, uh, for people in uh, Western Canada. You know what this is? This is uh, four guys. Uh, started out uh, nine years ago. Dan Quinn was the uh, the lead guy who had an idea of like just booking himself into uh, ski resorts just in exchange for, uh, you know, some lift passes. And so he could, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, so he, he started to research it. And then other comics were like, well, I want to do this too. So then he said, okay, well, instead of doing the bar gigs, let's do theaters. So he, I think they did six shows in that first, first tour uh, nine years ago, and it was successful. Uh, then the next year they said, well, let's do it again and let's expand on it. So that, I think they went from six shows to 10 shows. Uh, and then this past year it was the ninth year of the snowed in comedy tour. We did 52 shows in, uh, in three provinces. Wow. So, uh, and next year we're talking about, well, this year, actually, we're going to start in Alaska and then go from Alaska, BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and end in Thunder Bay at the end of March. So it's going to be almost a four month tour. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. So that's, uh, uh, so it's going to be, yeah, the same four guys. So every year we have to have half an hour of new shiny comedy every year to, uh, to do for that tour. So that's, that's what keeps me going to the, uh, the open mics and hitting. Right. So you know, for that, that's a, that's a huge tour too. Yeah. That's great. So that's, uh, that's coming up in, uh, yeah. In, uh, December through March. Uh, and then we're going to do our first kick at the can of touring Australia in October. So same, the, same tour, same tour. Yeah. So it's going to be a scaled down version. It's just me and Dan going to go out and uh, do a two man show. Um, yeah. So we're hitting Perth, Adelaide. I don't know if you've got, fans in or listeners from australia downloads in australia is that right okay well for the six people that have downloaded (laughs) from australia we're going to be uh snowed in comedy tour.com you can check out we're going to play adelaide perth newcastle gold coast uh didgeridoo biggity bonkiting and then uh sydney (laughs) (laughs) it could actually be a place i'm laughing like it's yeah no i just (laughs) and uh and of course i always ask is there uh is there anything that that uh you know you'd like to add that maybe we didn't we didn't touch on was there anything i'm looking Doesn't... forward to the the shows all week here in in, uh, in ottawa it's been a long time since i've uh, i've done a club here i think the last time i performed here was the uh, the national art center with the the just for laughs tour so yeah it's, uh, i it's, remember that yeah i remember that so it's uh it's nice to be back in uh in ottawa and uh yeah the we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. So that's we, correct. Yeah. We, this will be available for, for on Friday morning. So you guys are listening to this on Friday, hopefully. Otherwise you, you, you know, banked it for something to listen to on the winter week Monday and realize you missed your <laughs> you missed opportunity the, missed to, to see Pete. Yeah. Uh, but we did the first show on a Tuesday last night and it was, uh, I, th- I think sold out. Like it didn't look like there was any seats in yeah. there at all. So it was, it's remarkable. Did you enjoy there. the room? I did. Yeah. yeah. Except for that mirror in the back. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. It's weird. It's like a strip club for, yeah. for us. <laughs> fucking ego yeah, for yeah. us. We're like, yeah, I look yeah, good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> bite your lip. Yeah. So where can people connect with you if they'd like to just sort of know what's going on with you? Do you Twitter at Zed Lacker, um, Facebook.com backslash Pete Zed Lacker. Um, yeah. And then Zed Lacker.com. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Do you, is it easier for them to just go to your website? Is that yeah, and then it's got links to all the, okay. you know, whatever your favorite social media is, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. I've seen, that. I've seen your stuff on an, is it Instagram that I'm seeing with the, the, the shots of you coming out on stage with people in the back? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. And... So we did that on the Snowden tour. I was doing a lot of those uh, selfie. Yeah. They were, but they were cool. cool eh? They yeah. were very, very cool. In front just of to like 1400 people. It's, it's fun to do those. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I liked it. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and Josh, talk with was me great. today. It was a good, yeah, thank good, you so good much. Podcast. Awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing the feedback and, of course, finally getting a chance to see you live yeah. this weekend. Thanks so much for sitting thank down you. with me, Pete. I appreciate it.